Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. I would like to kick this off by saying you have a very professional looking mic called the Yeti. I it's do. not it's not a Yeti cooler, but a Yeti <laughs> mic. And you look like a podcasting pro. So congratulations. Thank you. It's very exciting. And my podcast mic is having technical difficulties. So I look like I'm working in a call center. <laughs> okay. Well, so last week, Kimmy, you interviewed Pastor Jose about his life story of growing up in Watts, poverty, some of those repeating cycles of abuse, and ultimately reform and redemption, which he credits to God, I would say. Um, So just starting out, I'd be curious to know, how was the interview for you? Any behind the scenes moments you'd like to share? Yes. So first of all, I met Pastor Jose through my friend Claire. Hi, Claire. She is working in Watts at a nonprofit that provides after-school education and food and resources to kids living in Watts, a a really underserved community. Mm -hmm. And for her birthday, because this is how great she is, instead of having a party, she did a police ride-along that she set up. So we being her friends, could understand the neighborhood of Watts and what's happening. Mm. I had no idea that 15 miles from my house, going through the projects where there are hundreds of people and no air conditioning and kids can't go outside, um, the amount of what is basically human trafficking appears as sex workers. But I mean, and this is, you know, 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. Mm. So... After this, we go to have lunch at Strive, to this incredible oasis that has hope for these kids and in, in, in Watts and their future. And we're having lunch. And here's this guy at the next table. And Claire goes, oh, you should go talk to him. And maybe he should be on your podcast. So I like cozy up to the stranger. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I want to tell you about my podcast. And he's like, yeah, I grew up in Watts. I was a gangbanger worked with the Mexican cartel, you know, went to Mm -hmm. prison, and I'm back here to help heal this city. And I was like, well, you should be on my podcast. (laughs) It's awesome. And then we, I returned to Watts. It was important to me that we had the conversation in Watts. Oh, you did the interview in person? Yes. And it was the first time since the pandemic, since I did an interview in person. Okay. And I left that interview feeling so energized and I realized for the first time how much I missed that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the backstory. Um, oh, well, I love that because one of my questions when I was listening to the interview was, how did you meet Pastor Jose? So I'm so glad to know that backstory. And also that piece about how good it feels to speak with a person 
live. Like there's an aliveness that comes from the conversation. So um, that's so great. Where did you do the interview? So we did the interview at Strive, which was where we met. And we all had lunch after. And he was great. Um, okay. So thank you for sharing those, those that story um, about meeting Jose. I was so curious to know. Um, so we haven't really talked about what the theme of this episode was. We've kicked around a couple of different ideas. And I thought I would just, one thing that came to mind, and I thought I'd share it with you and see your thought, get your thoughts is, you know, Pastor Jose's story is one of hope and reform and redemption. But one thing that I noticed during the interview was that he kept saying, I was a work in progress. Progress was, you know, I was a work in progress. God was still working on my heart. His story wasn't one of instant change of, you know, I had that moment, I had that aha, and I 100% pivoted and had this new life. Instead, it was like a series of smaller steps. And so I just started to really think about as listeners, what it means to change something in our own lives. And how do you, you know, I guess, how do you think about change and this idea of incremental steps towards that redemption story or that reform? I love that you asked about that, because I think the honesty and self-awareness, not like, oh, I was saved and then, you know, everything changed from there. But the astuteness that he is a work in progress. And I believe, you know, he could have, he was on his way to never go back to the pain of his past. He was working in a different part of LA. He was, you know, showing up with the, you know, button up shirt and a tie. And he went back to the place where he had caused so much harm and looked looked it in the eye and said, I'm here as a changed person. And that incremental transformation, I think, is what drives him to look at these kids who are um, living a life of violence and drugs and incarceration and believe that they can change and that it's small steps and requires patience because it did for him. Mm -hmm. So he sees the potential in others. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea that it's very hopeful. It's a really hopeful message because, you know, I think when we think about areas in our own lives where we might want to change and for him, you know, his story is, is dramatic. And I think for any person contemplating change in their own life, it, it allows us, there's a little bit of grace there to be able to take that first step forward and for that first small step to be good enough. And that you add up those series of smaller steps and you do have a, you can have that life pivot. Um, so thinking about change and that slow progress, is there an area of your life that you've experienced this where you've been like, I want to tackle this piece and I'm going to tackle it piece by piece? Oh, so many things. It's <laughs> a big question. Where to begin? Mm. Um, I think I look back and there was a time where I was a workaholic. I was like avoiding things by busy, busy, busy. I was, you know, dimming the craziness of that pace and brain with lots of wine. Hmm. Um, and all of that left me um, just not aligned with my soul or who I want to be. Mm-hmm. And I do think that was took small steps, like taking a step back from 
my job in the industry and saying, you know, I'm going to step away. I'm going to try something new. And just, you know, as I chip away, still a work in progress of becoming the best version of myself. So, yeah, I think, you know, that didn't happen going from like, you know, workaholic, you know, maladaptive (laughs) coping mechanisms to like, oh my gosh, I'm this transformed, present, balanced person. Mm. Um, That has taken years and is still a journey for me. So, yeah, I yeah, I don't know if that's a good example, but it's an honest one. No, I think it's a great example. I've, I think it's a good, it's a, um, it's an honest answer. And I think we kid ourselves if we think that we can make these big changes in one swoop, and that can be discouraging. And so having those, you know, tiny bits of success of making small steps forward towards being the person that you want to be in the world. Um, allows you to ultimately get to that place. I have a specific question for you, only if you're comfortable talking about it, but I remember you having postpartum depression. Mm. And how did you, like, what were the steps to get out of that and move through that? Because I remember it was really painful for you as a new mom having this, you know, wave of dealing with that that Mm -hmm. darkness. Oh, um, Kimmy, I was going to talk about my desire to become more optimistic. <laughs> but sure. Okay. I, but I like sure. to go deep. Let's, like go to to go post- deep. <laughs> Let's go to postpartum depression. I do have extensive experience with that. Um, I actually leaned more towards postpartum anxiety, which is something that's not talked about quite as much as postpartum depression. Uh, they kind of went hand in hand for me, but I tended to be more anxious. I have this moment where with my oldest, she was laying in a crib, laying in her crib. And my mom was, we were living in San Diego, San Diego at the time. And my mom was down visiting to help out. And she was looking down at Kaylee, who was wrapped up in her swaddle without, you know, any blankets in the crib. She's just laying there swaddled. And my mom said, couldn't you just look at her forever? Couldn't you just gaze at her? And in my brain, I was like, no, I am no, I can't. I am like just wanting to jump outside of my body. I felt so tense, so anxious. Um, and here I was ready to have these really wonderful, soft, loving, you know, really bonding close moments with my daughter. So it was a tough, you know, kind of a tough entry into becoming a mother. And so what did I do? You know, I think a big first step for me was realizing that this was hard, like that I was having a hard moment, that this was not what I expected. Also, I felt like I, some, you know, people did talk about it, but it was hard to say, holy shit, I have this baby and (laughs) I don't know what to do. I'm just finding this so difficult. I'm anxious. I'm exhausted. Well, so I just want to, okay, as an outside observer, and you touched on you were going to talk about becoming a more positive person <laughs> to the point where you flew back and forth to yeah. Pennsylvania to get a degree in positive psychology. Yes. So having known you as a mother and seeing you as an outside observer with what looked like postpartum depression and anxiety, now that you say that, and having known you for years and knowing that you 
weren't you didn't naturally run optimistic that just mm-hmm. wasn't who you were and the transformation i think in both of those areas is really significant like i i see you now in your ease and confident as and connection as a parent and i also think you're significantly more optimistic <laughs> but all of that took time mm-hmm. but i it still I, takes time it still is a it's something i work towards no i was just saying i see your transformation i want you to know that i see it and yes. um i know it wasn't easy and i know you probably can't um always see in yourself but i have watched your transformation and it's beautiful to watch thanks kimmy so i i feel like what i'd want to say about you know as i'm thinking about myself as that new mother is how i looked at it is okay i'm in this position and i can appreciate that this isn't how i want it to be this isn't the right you know this isn't the right fit for both myself for my baby um, for my daughter, for our family. And so I did this thing, I call it the strict program, where I sat down and I remember, I wrote down what are the 10 things, or I br- sat down and I brainstormed, what are the things that I can do, the small steps to, tar- to start to really support my physical health, my mental health, uh, my emotional health. And this is long before I had really done more, what I would say, more research in this area, looking at what it means to live a good life and well-being, health and well-being. You know, and the things on that list were, you know, the things that you would guess, like exercise, food, sleep, to the extent that you can do it. And and some other things, too, and I, um, including reaching out and working with a therapist. But I, I will also say, too, that part of this was, I was like, I'm going to give this a try. And if in, I think I set like a 30 day or maybe even a two weeks, if I am still in the same place in two weeks, then I'm going to reach out to the psychiatrist that I had worked with. And so I actually, ultimately, that really supported my sort of journey, small step, but I ultimately also ended up going on Lexapro, which is for anxiety. And that really helped um, kind of turn the corner for me as well. So it was, yes, a very incremental process. But I I feel like one of the things or the kind of the growth opportunities for me has always been I see something and I think that looks good. That looks right. That feels like something I want to be. And I really can turn my focus and intention to it. What I hope, Christy, is whether it's something as big and significant and dramatic, I guess, in a sense of Jose or whether it all requires a level of awareness and acknowledge that there's something that is not working. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, you know, postpartum anxiety, whether it's workaholism and self-medicating, whether it's, you know, something as dramatic as Ho- Jose, it's the first step that makes transformation possible. Yes. So if you have something that is painful, that is not serving you, let's think about first steps. Um, you know, it's funny. I have to, st- I have to say that what, came to mind as you asked me that question is actually a Carl Rogers quote. He's a psychologist. I think he was a, in humanism psychology. Um, and I know you know this quote, um, but it's he says, the curious paradox is when I accept myself just as I am, then I change. So I feel like as you were talking, I just thought of that, um, those words that I I think that the the first step when you're looking at making a change in your own life is really working towards accepting yourself just as you are, where you're at. 
Um, and then it, from that place, I think that you can then move forward to identify with like a, a greater sense of clarity what that right next right step might be. Yes, I love that. And I have never heard of that. Quote. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I have a sure. lot of quotes that live in my head. A lot of quotes, a lot of yes. sayings, a lot of quotes. Just dropping the quotes yes. left and right. Yes. Okay. The other thing I want to touch on is the role religion mm. and faith played mm-hmm. in Jose's journey. And this is a little bit of a sensitive issue, I would say. There's so much divisiveness around religion in this country. Mm. And we can look at all of the reasons why. I think there's societal factors. Um, certainly politics have played you know, a large role in it. But it is a divisive you know, issue for a lot of people that moves us further away from connection and community. Wait, let me ask you really quickly just on that point. Do you mean religion or do you mean God? Religion. Religion. Okay, so we're talking yeah. more organized religion. Got it. I'm talking about organized religion. I am a person of faith. Mm-hmm. And how I view my faith, first of all, is very personal, my spirituality, Um you know, like anybody's, right? It's a personal journey. But I believe in an all-loving God. And if you look at this podcast, we have a fabric of diversity of spirituality and faith from people who are Christian, from people who are Muslim, from people who are Jewish, um, from people who are atheist. Mm -hmm. We have woven together all sorts of of stories and they all have a place in the fabric of our humanity and i do think that you know it, it's interesting because people want to stay away from topics that are polarizing and you know i i just believe in this story god is played a really big role And I guess I just want to acknowledge that because it's come up that people are like, well, you should really stay away from religion and politics and not go too heavy because of the divisiveness. Hmm. But I think, you know, know, the the church we've gone to here in L.A. where I baptize my kids, this, you know, the first thing it says outside is all are welcome. And, you know the LGBTQ flags are flying high on Pride Day. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a place, there was also an interfaith build on 9-11 where I think like 10 different religions were building, you know, Habitat Humanity. So when God and religion and faith comes into the podcast and into the stories, it is all welcome, mm-hmm. including people who don't believe. And Jose, a big part of his story was redemption and finding God and finding religion and finding faith as an impetus to change and a place of comfort. So that just came up for me in his story as I thought about when we talk about religion on the podcast. So now I would like to gently step off the soapbox (laughs) (laughs) and see what your reaction was to that. Which part? The soapbox? Or which I would not say that was a soapbox. I felt yeah, like Yeah, not a soapbox, but it was a it was a passionate Do you mean what's my impression of this idea about religion or the role it played with um with Pastor Jose? 
Well, yeah. Just so, how did you see it play out in his story? Oh, I f- I thought it was a massive part of of his story. And to me, I don't find religion, organized or otherwise, to be something that is problematic in a story. I think anything that supports our ability to grow, to transform, to change. Um, to do the good that he is doing in his life, then, you know, bring it. So when we first were having, I first had listened to it. I I will say that religion, spirituality was the first topic that came to mind because I think of your guest, he might have been the one that spoke about religion the most. I found it to be, it was a compelling piece of his story and I could understand why too. And I am, I guess I, you know, as a person who grew up in a Christian home, I've had my own journey with religion. And I've come to a place now where if God, if Jesus for Pastor Jose is something that provides that support, I'm so glad for it. If it provides community, if it's an impetus for doing good in the world, I think it's, you know, I'm so grateful for it. Yes, I think. Why do you think that religion is so polarizing? I don't politics. Know. I get you know. I understand. I think I think it's politics, but mm. you know, even um, and I have such a diversity of friends and family members who are all over the spectrum. But it's a really hard conversation for people to have because they feel really strong in their beliefs one way or the other. And I do think there's an association if you're a part of organized religion, then people have, you know, maybe a preconceived notion that you have a set of beliefs, beliefs mm-hmm. a set of beliefs that you, <laughs> yeah. that you maybe do, or you maybe don't, mm-hmm. right? Like anybody, it is the diversity of, of, you know, so I, 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 I don't know the answer to that, but what I do know is this podcast will be a place for people of all faiths to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And it's all welcome. And I love that because, I, I, you know, the reason I asked that question is I get it. I, I mean, I may not have the know exactly how to answer that question, but um, not talking about something is usually not a way to bridge connection. So yeah. choosing to not speak about religion or to say or to – you know, pretend like for <laughs> to pretend like for Pastor Jose that Jesus isn't in the room. Like that's not a way for us to have for him to tell his story and for those of us with different levels of faith or belief belief systems to be able to understand and to stand in his shoes and to gain that perspective. Um and I think that doing that is what allows us to bridge connection between people who are different. Yeah. Or have different belief systems than we may have, I should say. I'm always so intrigued to know what are the things that allow people to manage to show this incredible resilience in the face of really challenging circumstances. You know, every time you interview somebody, their stories are incredible. And I'm always curious to know, what were the strategies? What was their strict program? (laughs) What was the things that got them through? And for Pastor Jose, um, it was Jesus. So I think in today's conversation, we've touched on on change. And I love this idea of slow progress. So we could talk about if you're looking to make just slow progress in some area in your life, how do you choose growth slowly but surely towards those incremental changes? 
I love too that you um, took this opportunity. We had the chance to talk about religion and the place that it plays in your show and naming that religion can be polarizing. But I think what I hear you saying is that you've you've made this intentional choice that all religions, all beliefs, all backgrounds are welcome in your show. And I feel like that is telling about the kind of show and interview, excuse me, the kind of podcast that you're creating that allows for much richer conversation and about people and and their experiences. And also, if we're looking at or what we are trying to do is figure out how can we be a little bit better, we've come back to this idea again and again of how do we stand in another person's shoes? How do we grow in compassion and kindness towards others? And it starts from un- from listening to and taking a moment to understand another person's experience. And I think that very clearly includes their spiritual experiences and their religion. And it sounds like you agree with that as well. Yeah. Did I lose you? Okay. No, no, no. You're here. Um, so what can we do? How, I can do, yeah. How do, how do we, yes. And how do we do it better? Kimmy, if we're talking about how do we do a little bit better, I would love to encourage myself to do a little bit better of having those more difficult conversations. Because even as we were talking today um, and we're recording this and, and we started to talk about religion, I could feel this tenseness in my body. I kind of could feel sort of a, um, a, a gripping. And and I think it's because it's, it's true that when we do talk about religion, like politics, like a lot of um, issues today, is that it's not easy and it's not comfortable, but I want to lean I into those conversations. That, I have that same feeling. I feel like, um, okay, judgment's coming, uh, misunderstanding, you know, because people have had really painful experiences yes. within the church, and they've also witnessed things that are really wrong <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to witness. And so I, I feel that too, and I think, like, if, if we can just... If, if if we can let go and talk about these things with ease and openness and shared humanity and yeah, I mean, I will recommit right now to or how I would how I'm going to do better is I'm actually going to be more conscientious of having a diversity of people of different faiths, religion and spirituality and figuring out the through lines of what they have in common. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a subtlety, but I think it would want, be one that, um, that I would excited to be intentional about. So that's how I'm going to do better. Mm, I love that. Well, for me, I'm going to lean into those more challenging conversations with, I want to say with a little more ease, but I'm just going to start with leaning into those conversations um, because I grow so much when I I love, actually, I just love to have interesting conversations about things like religion, but I also can often find myself shying away from it because there can be conflict and I have a desire for people to be comfortable. And um, so I think what I'm going to do is when a conversation comes up or when a topic that I start to feel in my body, oh, I'm nervous about this, to note it and then actually ask the question and try to really engage in that conversation. I love that. And when the OK Better bookstore opens mm-hmm. in honor of Jose, I think we will 
have some books about taking first steps in transformation and change and, you know, creating habits around that because he was able to change and transform in a miraculous way. And we'll have a book about hard conversations um, Mm. or maybe world religions. So our bookstore is not yet live but it is in the works and for every episode and story you hear we're going to provide you with more to further expand your thinking and your experience around it so i'm excited for that to come all right christy i love doing these episodes with you i'm very happy for your new fancy professional mic i am too and uh we will be back oh my gosh am i obsessed with next episode oh yeah tell me i'm not no just I'm a preview <laughs> just a preview. <laughs> not even a, just a little the preview. preview the preview is there's a girl crush involved okay. oh i'm yeah. excited on on my behalf i'm not i don't think she has a crush on me but i have <laughs> all right um love you take care of yourself thanks. and i will we'll be back okay all right thanks kimmy Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.